All right. Good morning, church. Hey, uh, we're really glad you're here. I'm not going to lie. We still haven't had a week with no problems, but I think looking around less, we started five minutes late. So, hey, we, we are, uh, we're really glad you're here. And wherever you're at, man, it's just good for us to be together. So just so you know, the time is 9.38, just so you know that we are here right now with you. This is not pre-recorded or whatever, but we have been told by some that we need to have a little more fun. And I took that as a personal challenge. So I have a little illustration I want to, uh, I want to run through with us. This might be weird, but if you have kids in your house, um, have them somewhere in your house set up a line like this one. We don't have kids here, but we do have interns. So I'm going to ask JR to come on up, if you will. Kids, I, I want you to participate in this. It'll help your parents better understand what we're going to talk about. But with this line, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to play two games. Are you ready? I'll wait. I'm waiting. That's all you get, because I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just pretending. Okay, you're ready. Here we go. Here's what I want you to do. Game number one. I want you to do this. I want you, as quickly as you can, to get as close to that line as you can without crossing. Ready? Go. Oh, don't, don't. Oh, wait, there's, there's space there still. You can go a little closer. A little bit more. A little more, a little more. Okay, very good. Nice, that was easy, right? Everybody's a winner. Okay, and we're gonna play a different game. Now, on the count of three, I want you to get as far away from that line as you possibly can. Ready? One, two, three, go. Easy. Did you win? If you're not here, you won. Pat yourself on the back, good job. (laughs) Hey, this game does have a little bit of a point And I want to change it up. JR, don't go anywhere. I'm going to use you here in just a sec. I want to change this a little bit. Let's say say that this line actually represents you with Christ and without Christ. This is with Jesus. This is without Jesus. And somehow, let's not get too theological, but let's say this represents wherever that is. And the farther this way you go, the closer you get to... Jesus, I want you to notice something. Let's play game number one again. I want you to get as close to that line as possible. Go. Now notice, notice as you're moving toward this line, notice where you're facing. You're facing this way and notice what's to your back, Christ. Now don't run, but start the game, right? Let's do the other way. Get as far away from the line as you can. Ready, go. Now freeze. I want you to also notice now which way you're facing and what's to your back. Thanks. Good job. This morning, we're going to talk about something that I hope is uplifting, but it might be, you play with me a little bit here, but I want to talk about guilt And I want to talk about shame and I want to talk about conviction in a way that's uplifting. Last week, we celebrated Easter. And as we look at Easter, I was about ready to jump into Acts for this week. But this little passage of scripture caught my eye, the reinstatement of Peter. And I I thought about, I use this illustration with youth group all the time, how sometimes as Christians, 
our Christian faith looks more like how close to this line can I get and still be on the right side? How close to this line can I be and still be on the right side? If I do this, if I struggle with this, if I go to church, I mean, I'm doing the right thing, but I'm just flirting with this line, trying really hard not to cross it by saying, man, I I hope I'm still saved, right? And we're struggling. And the problem is, is we're struggling facing the wrong direction. Where really, if this is the line between me with Christ and me without Christ, shouldn't I be turned this way and just moving as far from that line as possible? So I want to talk about that this morning. And I I hope at the end, (laughs) we're going to talk about conviction and hopefully leave encouraged. But why don't we pray and then let's get into this a little bit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the cross and for the resurrection of Jesus. But Lord, I pray that this morning we wouldn't just celebrate that and go back to life as usual. Lord, but for those of us that need to hear this message, I pray that we could experience freedom that comes through the cross, not the weight that we place on ourselves, but the freedom. We praise in your name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at a couple verses. And as we do, I want you to think about two verses. Hebrews 12, 2, that says, I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And then in Psalms 121, where it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I don't know about you, but in this season of life, I've had too much time to think, to contemplate, to to internally process, and that hasn't been always a good thing. My wife probably just said amen at home. It hasn't necessarily been good because it takes me back to this place where my identity isn't coming from the right spot. And, and, and I, as Pastor Brian asked me to share this morning, I, I really internally wanted to say, no, I'm not, I don't want to. That's just a confession. But, but as, I, as I processed and as I was reading, man, God just put this on my heart so heavy. And, and I just pray that there's somebody that needs to hear this as well. But I want to take a look at one of the disciples, and personally, my favorite disciple, Peter. And Peter's my favorite because he is a loudmouth who says things and then later apologizes for it. But he 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 he's a go-getter. And there's two two accounts in the Gospels, one at the very beginning and one at the very end, that are almost similar. And Peter's response to Jesus in each of these is very, very telling. And I found it very, very profound. So let's look at the first one. Okay, so let me, let me set up both accounts. This is what happens in both. Peter is a fisherman by trade. He's in a boat fishing, catching no fish. Many of you that are fishermen can relate to that. I had a story, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to tell it. I'm really good at sitting in a boat catching no fish. But these guys were professional fishermen. They were out fishing, catching no fish. And here comes this guy who says, throw your nets on the other side. And so they do. 
And their nets, they don't catch a few fish. They catch fish to the point where their nets are breaking. And then in that moment, they realize that there's something special about this person. Now, if we pick that up, let's go to the first account of this, which is when Jesus calls Peter. And it's in Luke chapter 5. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. And I'm just going to look at Peter's response That's in Luke 5, chapter 8. It says, when Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus, or he he fell at Jesus' knee and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee's, and Simon's partners. But then Jesus said to Simon, "Don't, don't be afraid, From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats, left everything, and followed him. I want you to notice what Peter does. He falls at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me. I am a sinful man. Coming back to this, that's this. He knew he was identifying, not just I've done wrong things, but I am a sinful man. And he's saying, Go away from me. He's turning his back, saying, Go away. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve this. If you only knew who I was, I am a sinful man. He's responding to Jesus through shame. Now, interestingly, we don't know what Peter meant by I'm a sinful man. We can guess or whatever, but we just know that his response is identifying with that. Now go to John chapter 21. So now, let me just give you a little of the story real quick. You might know this, but we've just basically walked through Easter, and we're on the other side of that. So Peter is with Jesus. He said, I'll never betray you. They go into the garden, and Jesus is arrested. And in, in, before that, Jesus had told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, there's no way. I will never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. But as Jesus is arrested and is led to the cross, that's exactly what happened. Peter denies Jesus three times. Then Jesus is crucified. And hopelessness fills, right? But then the resurrection comes, which we celebrated, and they run to the tomb. And there's this account of him at the tomb. But in that, he realizes, wow, he really messed up. And I believe that there's this this weight that's sitting on his shoulders that he wants to be excited. He wants to celebrate, but he has this weight of, I messed up bad. I can relate to that. I want to worship. I want to be excited. I want Jesus to be my all, but you just don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. So then Jesus starts to appear to them two times. And this is the third time Jesus appears to his disciples. And again, they're in a boat catching no fish. Why are they fishing? I I, I think it's they didn't know what else to do, so they went back to what's familiar and what's comfortable. But they were in the boat not knowing what to do. And suddenly, this man appears, and he says, hey, you're not catching anything, are you? Throw your nets on the other side. So just like the first time, they throw their nets on the other side. The nets fill with fish. 
And then one of the disciples says, hey, this has happened before. He says, that's Jesus. Now, we're going to pick up this to, to the reaction of Peter to this. And it, it starts in verse 7. So then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. He jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore about a hundred yards. And when they had landed, they saw a fire burning, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said, bring some fish you have just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Now notice this time, Peter still feeling the guilt. He is still feeling the guilt. But this time, instead of saying, I'm terrible, go away from me, I'm sinful, he turns and he runs to Jesus. I actually laugh at this because it's like the boat is really not that far away. I kind of imagine the boat and Peter reaching the shore about the same time, but his excitement is so huge after spending time with Jesus and getting to know the heart of Jesus, he turns to him and runs to him. And then he's fed and comforted by Jesus. And then they go through this interesting thing where Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, of course, yes, of course. And the third time, he realizes what's happening. Just like he had denied Jesus three times, it's almost as if Jesus is offering him grace three times. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And he says, if you truly love me, feed my sheep. And he goes on to explain that Peter's going to go through a lot of hard things. But in that conversation, what I found is that when, when we ran to Jesus, not only did he find comfort, not only did he find nourishment, but he found purpose. Because there's three things we're dealing with here. A, we're dealing with guilt. A lot of times we're like, I don't want to feel guilty. Guilt is not our problem. In Romans 3.23, it says, all have sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. We are guilty. The problem is not our guilt. The problem is how we respond to the guilt. In this first instance that we talked about, Peter is responding through shame. I looked up shame. And what shame is, is it is an intense, powerful emotion in which we identify with our errors, with our problems. It's no longer what I do, it's who I am. When Peter says, don't look, go away, he's, he's walking towards this line of like, go away, I, I can't, you can't be around me. I can't, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus still calls him and he follows. But his response is that of shame. This morning, I, I, I just want to ask the question, in our struggles, in the things that we're dealing with, 
Are we responding in shame? Are we saying, I, yeah, I would love to be all in for Jesus and I would love, but you don't, he, I'm terrible. I'm not a good person. When I go to bed at night, I feel awful. I want to tell somebody, but I'm too ashamed. My pride won't let me do that. I don't want people to see me that way. Friends, if we are responding to Christ in shame, we are missing the point of what we just celebrated. In this next part in John, when Peter responds to Jesus, his guilt is still there. He's still guilty. But he responds to the conviction of Christ. He responds by not walking towards the line saying, I can't, but he turns to Christ, jumps in the water and runs to him. In 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, we get this really interesting and and kind of beautiful definition of what it means to have that conviction. Let me read this for you here in a little bit. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. It says, yet, uh, I'm going to start in verse 8. So even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow brings death. When we point ourselves away from Jesus, we're missing the point. It's not that he's saying, you're terrible, you're awful. He's saying, you need me. When we respond appropriately to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of following Jesus, it should point us to Jesus. It should not point us away, but point us towards him. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but even in this season, I could really use that rest. If we put it in a really simple way, we are all guilty. All of us are guilty. But shame is going to take us deeper into our guilt. Shame is going to take us deeper into our guilt of identifying with that guilt. That's who I am. That's my struggle. Conviction is going to bring us out of that guilt. And it's going to say, it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of what he did. And I just want to follow him. If you notice that, that there's three things When we turn to Jesus, I'm going to just, I want to remind you of these, but there's three things. Jesus had, uh, in that second passage that we looked about, he had coal burning. He had comfort. He had food ready and he fed them. He fed their souls. He gave them nourishment. 
And then he brought him into purpose. If we respond to the conviction of Jesus, instead of turning away, turn towards him. Friends, we're going to find comfort. We're going to find nourishment and life and freedom. And we're going to find purpose in Christ. We're going to end with a song this morning. And as we do, I'm just going to encourage you to let your heart settle. As we talk about he holds us fast, he has not abandoned us in our failure. We're going to talk, we're going to sing the song and then we'll be dismissed. But let's take a minute, let me pray and then we'll, we'll sing this together. Lord, I thank you for your work on the cross. I thank you for what you've done, but I pray, Lord, that this morning you would challenge us not to look at the line and whatever that represents and not to move towards that line because of his shame that we carry. But Lord, I pray that this morning we could repent and turn to you, that we could repent and, and let go of our shame and find freedom in your name, in your grace, in your work. Those things that we hold so tight and so deeply that have become obstacles between us and you. Lord, help us to let those go. All the enemy wants to do is turn us away from you. So let us resist that. And even through our doubts, we turn to you and we look to you. Thank you for the work that you do. We love you, Lord. Amen.